As we lift our hearts to you in prayer, teach us to pray, Jesus. We thank you for these wonderful words from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, as you teach us how to pray. Guide us in this so critical part of our walk with you, our life in you, and our life in the world. Thank you for this gift. Teach us, we pray, Holy Spirit, now. Amen. As we continue in this prayer, looking at the uh, the model prayer, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, out of Matthew chapter six, uh, we have been looking at how there's a sequence to it, there's a flow to it, there is an important facets to it. One leads to the next, and prepares for that which comes after. We we begin by looking, of course, and centering our mind and our heart on God, the person of God, the immensity of God, right? We pray, hallowed be your name. We we focus also not just on God's immensity, but also on his desire for intimacy with us. We are able to pray, Jesus says, you are able to pray to Almighty God in this way. You're able to say, our Father, my Father who art in heaven. There's an intimate relationship that God wants to have with each one of us. And when we begin our prayer life regularly, when focusing on the immensity of God and the intimacy that He desires with you, then we're ready for the next part of uh, the way that we should structure our prayers. And that's then to focus on the things that are important to God. Focus on the things that God wants. That's what we're praying when we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. We are focusing on that which is important to God. We are uh, consistently learning and disciplining our lives, training ourselves to align my heart and my thinking with that which matters to God. And that is so important because that already then begins to give shape to the way that you will pray. It begins to give shape to the things that are important to you. And as you pray those things first, the intimacy of God, the immensity of God, you align your hearts regularly with that which is important to God, your prayer life then gets shaped also in the pattern of Jesus. And the things that are important to God then begin sometimes inexplicably to become important to you. The things uh, that God finds important will become burdens for your life and your heart as well. Then we looked last week at how we are ready then to begin to offer the things that, that are on our hearts to God as well. We, we offer our list, as it were, to God, our prayer list, right? We, we pray, give us today our daily bread. God, here are the needs of my life as I understand them. Here are the financial needs, the relational needs, the work needs, the, the parenting needs, the, uh, the sense of loneliness I have, uh, whatever it might be. Then bring those things to God. Because he cares for you, right? We can cast our anxieties on God because he cares for us. Let's read together again. Matthew chapter 6, we begin in verse 9, uh, verse, uh, yeah, verse 9, where Jesus gives us this model prayer. This then, Jesus speaking, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are focusing today on verse 12. Let's go back and read that again. Verse 12, forgive us our debts, 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness. Of course, we, we know and understand biblically that, that there's an aspect of forgiveness. When, when we seek the Lord for forgiveness, we understand what Jesus has done in order to repair a broken relationship that we have with God. There is a, a forgiveness that ushers us into being rooted in Jesus. This is the, the initial way of relationship is forged in our, our desire to be with God and His desire to be with us. It's understanding that God has taken the first step. There's been a, a breach in our relationship that when we begin to understand that. Then we learn that in this, this chasm between us and God, that we cannot do anything to bridge that gap. But God does, and that's why Jesus has come into the earth uh, so that in his work of the cross and his dying in place of you to forgive your sins, he offers forgiveness. That's what establishes you in your relationship. I had the great joy of working with uh, one of my neighbors recently to build a fence on our shared property line. And uh, he is a, a wonderful uh, carpenter. That's the good news because I basically just hold the boards while he does all the work. And that's uh, been really, really great. And it's given us some time as we share some labor together to talk and get to know each other a little bit better and, and really for me to listen to him and a little of his life. And one day I was out explaining as he was working yet again. I was explaining how I had other work to do that day. He couldn't join him. And he, with a dry smile, said, Oh, little little Christian guilt. He knows who I am and what I do for a living. I'm a pastor. And, and in a funny way, he was trying to uh, just have a little fun with me. He said, Oh, little Christian guilt uh, there. And I, I laughed because I thought it was pretty funny. And, uh, and I, I looked at him and I said, Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I do know the one who takes away my guilt. And uh, I'm not sure he quite uh, knew how to respond uh, to that, but I was just trying to introduce a little bit of my faith to him and uh, let him uh, understand what makes me tick a little bit. And so that really is what we're talking about, and in part, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness our debts. I think when Jesus gives us this prayer, uh, he's already looking beyond that point. He's looking beyond the establishment of our relationship with God, and he's looking to, to this other element of forgiveness. And that's what, what it means when we seek forgiveness from God in an ongoing way in our life. It's, it's not seeking to be rooted in Jesus initially, but it's the idea of being refreshed in Him in an ongoing way, of seeking the cleansing and, and the purity that He wants. And a big part of that, a big part of the, the willing heart to, to seek out this ongoing cleansing and purity, this uh, forgiveness from the Lord, forgive me, God, of my debts, it requires, I think, a certain measure of tenderness about yourself before the Lord. And perhaps I'm speaking to men right now more than, than anyone else, because sometimes I find this word tender in describing in discussions with men is not a welcome word always. You know, men are often brought up, uh, I was too, to think about being rough and, and tough and uh, to, to press beyond. And tender was not a compliment uh, for, for at least my childhood growing up. But I really think if you and I are to live in a habitual state of, of seeking the goodness of God, the cleansing of God, that we would be quick to confess our misdeeds, our missteps, to be in a, an aware state of where we are sinning, and to be able to confess that to God, and to, to seek His renewed cleansing and forgiveness, it, it requires a measure of tenderness in us 
to be able to do that. You know, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, describes Jesus and the way that he prayed. And it says that he, he would offer up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. And tears. And tears. I don't know what it is with age, but I've, I've observed, uh, I think with age, sometimes a heart can be hardened and uh, maybe more set in its ways, but there are other, other people I've observed that it seems like a heart gets tender, more tender over time. And I, I feel like I'm finding that with myself somehow, that uh, I find my eyes a little more leaky than they used to be. And I feel myself being perhaps more emotionally tuned. I don't know what it is, but there's a, a tenderness. Perhaps I'm just less concerned with, with what other people think or uh, perhaps things that were uh, really etched into my heart of what I thought it was to be a man from the time I was little. And maybe there's a new awareness of tenderness, but I tell you there, there's a, a desire to be soft and subtle in the hands of God so that God can do in me. What God wants to do. That God can do in me only what God is able to do. Things I might try to do for myself, but I fail at. Trying to reshape myself, and I'm incapable of doing it. But God, as the Master Potter, wants to come and put His hands in your life, and He wants to give shape to your inner world. And Jesus was not afraid of tears. So why am I? Why are you? There's a tenderness that is required if we are to be people that seek uh, continued refreshing and cleansing and purity in the Lord Jesus. It's really an, an in-tuneness to what's really happening in our inner being and uh, to be uh, focused on forgiveness in such a way. But this passage, it describes God, forgive us our debts. And the second part of it is this, as we also have forgiven our debtors, those who have done wrong to us, God, help us now. As we are uh, forgiving them, we come in the same way uh, to you to seek your uh, renewal in our lives. You see, forgiveness, this idea of forgiveness, helps restore brokenness between other people. Brokenness between other people. Just this week, in, in our neighborhood, we, there are some neighbors who are at odds. And we heard this, this yell down the street. An expletive was spoken. And it said, blank you. And it listed the name of the neighbor. One was calling down the street to the other. And it was really hard to hear. And this, this, these are two homes and families that I've begun to pray for. That there would be some sort of restitution and forgiveness made. And I don't know how God might open an opportunity for me, uh, perhaps, to be a peacemaker. I don't know. But one thing I am taking seriously is praying for them that there might be healing and renewal in that relationship. You see, the idea when Jesus says, God, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, it's, it's the idea that, that we are called as Christian people to give away what we get. We get from God, we're called to give it away, to give what we get. Have you been forgiven by Jesus' work on the cross? Have you been forgiven from God through what Jesus has done? Have you accepted that into your life? If it's truly dissolved into your heart, then brother, sister, you were called to be one who forgives other people. That is part of what it means to be a follower 
of Jesus. You've probably heard a statement like this uh, in some form or fashion. Hurt people hurt people, right? When we get our emotions uh, wounded or our pride wounded or we've been abused or, or uh, all manner of things where we have been hurt and broken by other people, if we are hurt people, we have a tendency now to go out and hurt other people. Maybe it's the pattern that we have been that's been set for us. Maybe it's just a way of us dealing with it and able to find healing. But I think Jesus would say something similar. A similar pattern is that forgiven people forgive people. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is that those of us who have been forgiven by Jesus are those who are called now to forgive others in the world around us. To forgive not just general forgiveness, but for, for, to be able to forgive the very real things that people might do to you. And that's part of what God over time gives us strength to do. Forgiven people learn how to forgive people. You notice in the passage here how it says that we are to forgive the debtor, not just the debt. It's, it's really, I think, a focus on the person that has done wrong and learning to look at them with an expression, not just an expression, but a heart of love as we have forgiven the debts of others. That's not what it says, is it? God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's a focus on the person, not so much on what has been done. You see, in the heart, God's Holy Spirit works in us when someone has done something to, to fracture that relationship, to wound that relationship. They've done something intentionally, perhaps, or unintentionally. You have been wounded, and wounded deeply maybe. You have been scarred even. God's Spirit wants to work in your heart to be able to see them as a person also in need of forgiveness so that you won't be tempted to view them with contempt, so that you won't dismiss them as unuseful to you or unwanted in your world or unwelcome. You see, we learn to love them the way Jesus loves them. We learn to love them the way Jesus loves us, the way Jesus loves me. And then we learn to love, allow the love of Jesus to flow through the end of their life. I hope this is making sense to you. That we we are called as we seek forgiveness, that we, we learn to give what we get. We get forgiveness from God and, and we learn how to share that forgiveness in the realities of our life. Oh, if the world... If the world would learn to forgive in such a way, but also if the church would learn to forgive in such a way, if Christian brothers and sisters would learn to forgive those who are indebted to us, who have sinned against us, how much different would our world be? How, how much would we be able to model to the world about brokenness? Not, not that the church is a perfect place. Not that the church has perfect relationships that are never without tension or never without hardship. That's not what the church is about. But the church has the presence of Jesus among her. The individual believers has the presence of Jesus among them. And they, they are called to be people who forgive and seek forgiveness from one another. We're going to talk more about some of that in just a couple of weeks as we wrap up this series 
on prayer. But I want to give you and end our time today. We're talking about uh, one way that you might pray in such a way to be in tune with the things that God wants to do in your life. You see, the, the focus of the prayer, the flow of the prayer, we, we begin with God, focus on His intimacy and His imminence, how big He is, right? The, the, the idea of His importance in our life. And then we, we align our hearts to what's important to God, your kingdom come. And then we, we come with our prayer needs. And then we come with these relational needs. You see, it has a, a, a particular flow to it. And here's how you might pray. It's a, an ancient uh, concept of prayer uh, known as the prayer of examine. And uh, I appreciate the way Richard Foster describes the prayer of examine because he, he divides it into two really helpful categories for us. And he says that the prayer of examine is, is a prayer about consciousness and a prayer about conscience. We're going to unpack both of those. But a prayer about consciousness, the idea of being aware of the world around me, being aware of what's happening inside me a little bit, that, that's more, I guess, a conscience, but just being aware of where God is at work around me, how God is present throughout our day, and what has been my response to God throughout this day or this week or this season of my life. The, the prayer of examine, as we focus on our, our, our awareness, our consciousness, uh, in the world around us, it allows us to rehearse God's activity in our life in an ongoing way. It becomes a, an opportunity, eventually, for you to practice and to rehearse the presence of God in your life. He, he says it this way, Richard Foster does in his book on prayer. He says, we consider, for example, whether the boisterous neighbor of last night was more than just a rude interruption of, of a quiet morning, Richard Foster says, Yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
We consider, for example, whether the boisterous neighbor of last night was more than just a rude interruption of a quiet evening. Maybe, just maybe, he was the voice of God urging us to be attentive to the pain and loneliness of those around us. This is part of the prayer of examine that helps us focus on consciousness, just being aware of the realities of our daily life, our, our weekly life, the rhythms of our life, and, and being alert to what God is doing around us. But then the second part of the prayer of examine, according to Richard Foster's, is it helps us focus on our conscience, what, what God is doing inside of us, the areas where we need cleansing and purifying and healing. In fact, in Psalm 139, we're reminded from a prayer of the psalmist that where we invite God into this. This is not just some psychological process of self-reflection and examining. It is a process of inviting a holy and loving God into your mind and your heart and welcoming Him to come and to examine the inner realities of your life. Here's what the psalmist said. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139 at the very end. You see, the prayer examined and this focus on conscious, it, it, it helps us in inviting God into this process. Of course, without God, it's, it's just... It's not spiritual in this sense, it's not biblical, and it's not Christian without inviting the presence of God into your life. And in doing it this way, entering into this with God, it's a bit like the guideposts. I, I, I enjoy kayaking out around my house and, and along the coastline in, in uh, places like this. Uh, Florida has them, I know, all around coastal areas. There are large pilings out that, that guide ships both in coming and going that help, help them navigate uh, around the coastline to make sure they're not getting too far out nor too close into the land. It helps them know where the channels are, are deep enough for them to, to take their vessels properly uh, along the way. And that's a lot of what this part of the prayer of examine allows us to do. We're inviting God into our inner world because we have two really opposite but yet equally important tendencies uh, both are real polar opposites and lead us in an unhealthy direction if we're not really centering ourselves in the presence of God. One of those, one tendency, is to too easily excuse ourselves, right? We, we enter into prayer and, and God begins to well up things in our hearts and, and one tendency for us is to excuse those things away. God might be pointing out an area of sin in our life, but we want to excuse it away. Uh, particular attitudes, God might be calling to our attention or behaviors or actions that we have taken. God is putting a spotlight on those and one tendency that we have is to simply excuse it away as if it's no big deal. And this is where, again, tenderness comes in, a, a willingness to be attentive to what God is doing in us. We, we shouldn't look away too soon when God is shining that light. You see, God's mercy spotlights our sinful tendencies, and that's part of what the prayer of examine is. So that when you come to prayer the way Jesus describes it, forgive us our debts, God. It's allowing you the ability regularly 
to let God enter into your life and to be aware of His presence bringing up and shining a spotlight on areas of your life that you now can bring to prayer in Him and you're not easily just excusing it away. The other tendency is just the opposite. It's the tendency to overly severely beat ourselves up, right? We, we recognize uh, the areas of weakness or, or faults in us, and, and we can sometimes our tendency can be to so so deeply uh, mortify ourselves uh, in an unhelpful and an unhealthy way. We beat ourselves up, and this can be a really deep and dark rabbit hole uh, where we dive into it. We can be convinced that we are unlovable. We can be convinced that we are unredeemable, and we know that those are not biblical realities. God has said just the opposite. That you are lovable because Jesus has said so. His cross tells you so. You are loved by him. God has so loved the world that he sent his one and only unique son into the world that anyone who would believe in him will never die but have everlasting life. You are redeemable. That is why Jesus has come. You see, uh, avoiding this tendency allows us to grab hold of God's grace that heals and restores and pulls us up. That is the beauty of it. So, inviting God into the prayer, inviting God into the regularity of your prayer of exam and of your life. God, seek me and know me. Help me not be too quick to excuse the things that you're spotlighting in my life, but help me also not fall into a tendency to overly beat myself up and to think that I cannot be forgiven because forgiveness is real. Jesus said so. Jesus tells you to pray for that forgiveness and it will be yours. Uh, How do we pray like this? Let me just give you some hints and tips. If you're wondering how you might incorporate prayer like this in your life, um, it's really not, I don't find all that complicated, but it does take perhaps some renewed uh, habits of your life. And here's a way. It's just taking every day. Think about taking somewhere toward the end of your day, before dinner, after dinner, before you go to bed, just take 15 or 20 minutes and find a quiet spot. And just sit with the Lord and review your day. Just sit down in in a quiet space and say, God, I'd like to just kind of examine my day today. I'd like to go back through the interactions I had with people. I'd like to go back through the, uh, the conversations that I had. I'd like to uh, examine with you some of the words that I spoke. Maybe I was too sharp or I spoke in anger. Maybe there was an opportunity to give a blessing that I did not. Maybe I withheld it on purpose. What was that about? Uh, Whatever it might be, these interactions and conversations. God, I I had these feelings today. I was angry when when I saw this person or or, uh, this, this joy overwhelmed me. I'm trying to understand where that came from or this part of my day entered into this deep sadness and I'm not quite sure where that was from. Help me to understand. Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe there was a part of your day that you felt really judgmental towards somebody else for some reason. Or, or you felt yourself superior to them. Or uh, maybe inferior. And, and you want to take and, and, and give those to God. Say, God, help me understand these things better. Uh, maybe it's some decisions today. How you use your computer that day. Maybe there were things you saw on your computer and went to that you should not have. Uh, Whatever it might be, decisions of that day, 
um, where you you want to talk with the Lord about, confess those to Him as you go through daily, taking some time. Some some people find having a weekly pattern can be really helpful. Maybe uh, on a Friday evening or sometime on Saturday, just taking the whole week and reviewing the whole week in the same way that I just described conversations, feelings, attitudes, decisions and choices that you made, whatever it might be, sitting on that Friday evening or Saturday, you might need a little more time than 15 minutes, but uh, allowing God to to come and, and maybe reveal and shine a light on some areas that He wants you to pay attention to, and you have the opportunity now to confess and to seek uh, the cleansing and renewal of God. And also, some find it really great to find a pattern like that, doing that on a Friday night or a Saturday, and then on Sunday morning, if that's the day of worship for you, then you wake up and you're ready now to join the community of faith uh, around the cross, around the songs and the preaching of God's Word, and, and your, your heart now is prepared in a different way regularly, week after week after week, to worship the God who loves you and the God who desires to forgive you. Uh, some find uh, going on a weekend retreat once in a while or uh, an occasional uh, getaway uh, for an extended period of time, two or three or four nights, can be so helpful doing that two or three times a year, perhaps. Uh, others like to really find journals and be able to jot things down, both to be able to rejoice now in what they're seeing God do, but also to have that memory when they go back and review that occasionally, they can rejoice later in what God has done, and it becomes a living reminder of where they've seen explicitly the fingerprints of God in their life. Our focus today, of course, has been forgiveness. God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the, the relationship that we have with God and the forgiveness that we've received from God through Jesus and His work on the cross for us is, is also the forgiveness that we are supposed to pass along and to extend to others so that broken relationships among us can be healed. Broken communities can be healed. Oh, forgiveness is not an old-fashioned concept. Forgiveness is something very real and very raw and something we need now just as much as it was needed 10 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. We need forgiveness so badly in our world. And it starts with individual Christians finding patterns in their life to seek the ongoing cleansing and renewal of the Lord Jesus. God, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to pray about forgiveness, not just my receiving of your forgiveness, but also my giving of your forgiveness out into the world around me, into the very real relationships, into the very real pain that I will experience at different times of my life. And God, as, as we imperfectly seek after you, we pray that you would fill us with the desire to love people in the same way that you have loved us. Because we know that you forgive us because of your great love for us. So help us to love the people who even are do us wrong. God, guide us in that we pray today in the name of Jesus together. Amen.